Hi, and welcome to the next episode of the Career Optimum Podcast. Glad you could be here. I'm your host, Joe Rosenlich, the career coach based in the Washington, D.C. area. And in this episode, I'm excited to have with me Jen Koken to talk about imposter syndrome, something that a lot of us may be struggling with from time to time. So a little more about Jen, uh, recognized by ABC MSNBC and TEDx, Jen Koken is a comedian, coach, speaker, and imposter syndrome expert. She transforms women executives and founders from being stuck and fearful of making the wrong decision to owning their expertise, having confidence in the direction they're headed, and the courage to be with the uncertainty. Fortune 500 CEOs to seven-figure founders trust Jen to shake things up with no apologies, no limits, and all the laughs. And I'm very happy to say that the, the, the timing was great to meet Jen. Uh, just before lockdown in March 2020, we met at a networking event. So I'm very grateful that that event took place uh, when it did, because um, otherwise, you know, we wouldn't be here today talking to her about imposter syndrome. So I'll turn it over to you, Jen, to say hello to our listeners. Hi, and thanks for having me on, Joe. It's true. That was the last in-person networking event that Washington Networking Group had. And then I taught everybody all these things about networking, and then nobody really could get out to meet anybody. So, you know, but still over Zoom. But it's true. We wouldn't be here if not for Washington Networking Group. That's right. So fate was with us that day. Fate was. Um, Great. So, yeah, thanks again for being here today. And I wanted to ask you this first question. So about imposter syndrome, can you just give us a a brief definition of what that is? Yeah, so back in the 70s, two researchers um, discovered imposter phenomenon. We can't really call it a syndrome because a syndrome is a medical diagnosis. So it was this phenomenon that they found among super high achieving women who questioned and doubted themselves and were afraid that people would find out they were a fraud. And back then, they, uh, these researchers thought or assumed that it was mostly women who experienced imposter syndrome because the premise was that men have more testosterone. Therefore, men don't experience it as much. But recent studies as recently as 2020 have shown that up to 70%, 70, 70% of all people who work experience feeling like a fraud or question and doubt themselves at work. Yeah, that's interesting because in doing some research leading up to our conversation today, um, you know, in all the articles that I was reading online, it was interesting because they said, you know, the person, if you're in a meeting, the person who's experiencing imposter syndrome they probably feel like they're the only one in the room experiencing it. Um, but in actuality, it's probably half the room or more that's experiencing it, and that person does just doesn't realize they think they're alone in this, but it's, 
you look to the person to the left and right, and they're probably struggling with the same things. Yeah. And I think what's so interesting about that, okay, you think in that room, let's say 10 people, 70%, seven people are experiencing it in that moment. I promise you in the next meeting, in a different moment, a different 70% would be experiencing it. And why is that? It's because imposter syndrome is a brain generated phenomenon that has resulted from the amygdala being hijacked, the amygdala being the reptilian part of your brain that governs fight, flight, or freeze. So what happens is the brain, its job is to keep the thing, it's a brain of alive, which is you. So the brain is constantly determining level of threat, right? Since time began through evolution, that's why you and I are here and the other cave people aren't because they got eaten and we didn't. And what I often say to my clients is if you don't experience imposter syndrome at some point in your career or at some point really in your day to day, you're not playing a big enough game because what happens is the moment that we are on the skinny branches that we feel out of sorts, the brain and the brain can't discern between fact and fiction. So the brain is constantly looking at things through its own lens. And that's why, for example, if, you've ever seen, watched a movie where there was a roller coaster and there was the point of view, you know, the, the, the cameras got the point of view of the person on the roller coaster and it dips and your stomach goes, it's because the brain's trying to rebalance itself. It's thinking it's on the roller coaster. So what's interesting about this phenomenon, this imposter phenomenon, it's all about perception. None of it's really happening. It's ha will happen to everybody. And if it doesn't, you're not playing a big enough game. And it's simply the brain's way of trying to keep us safe in those moments. You know, the brain is experiencing an unwanted emotion like embarrassment or fear or something like that. And it's trying to right that ship. Yeah, I think it, it's definitely shown up for me at certain times. So even though I don't consider myself a perfectionist or just trying to achieve imperfection, as they say, I think, you know, there's definitely characteristics of perfectionism that show up for me. So for example, you know, if I give a presentation um, and I, I, afterwards I focus on the 1% or the one thing out of a thousand that I perceive went wrong, right? Um, versus the 99.5% that was in actuality really good and people really got a lot out of it, but that's not where I go, right? And it's not even I, it's not even you, it's the brain because the <laughs> average human has 50 to 60,000 thoughts a day. 80 to 85% are negative, 90 to 95% are, are repetitive. So I always say we don't stand a chance of, of sitting around and wondering what went well. The brain automatically, this prediction machine is trying to figure out, well, what went wrong? So that doesn't happen again. So we can get everything perfect and perfect doesn't exist. So it's not even specific to you, Joe. It, it, it's happening to all of us. And it goes back to what we, you were saying, where we feel like we're alone. We're the only one. An example for me, you know, last week I went to see my folks in New Jersey and my dad, I love him. I'm always going to be daddy's little girl, but the guy is still trying to tell me what time to go to bed mm -hmm. and you know, how to do things. And the way, and, and on one hand, I'm like, he's my dad. He's 85. A lot of people don't have a dad or their dad has passed or never had a dad. I should be 
thankful, but on their side, it drives me crazy. And I happen to be talking to a friend about it. And he goes, my dad does that to me all the time. I said, you're kidding. He said, no, he goes just last night because he's home helping to take care of his mom. My dad goes, it's 930, looks at his watch, son, it's 930. Don't you think it's time you go to bed? And my friend looked at him and said, uh, I'm 47, dad, like I'm an adult male human. And I actually figure out how to put myself to bed and I get up in the morning. You know, he didn't actually say right. that, but that's same thing. I'm like, you're kidding me. Talk to another friend today. The guy was like, yeah, my mom still tells me like how to tie my shoes. Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought it was specific to my dad, you know, but right. no. And that's often what happens. We are not alone. Everybody's going through this. Right. So when you work with clients to try to talk through this and overcome some of these struggles, that helps in itself, right? Just, you know, they, they now know like, oh, okay, this, is, this isn't just me. It's so many other people that are experiencing this. Yeah, the, the clients, I predominantly work with women. Sometimes men, I'll work with men in my group program, but one-on-one, -on -one, I predominantly work with, with women. And I have a masterclass that I offer where it's all women, six seats at the table, and they hear it from each other that way. But I never uh, coach people to overcome imposter syndrome because what I have said is if you Google overcoming imposter syndrome on the internet, there's two and a half or 2.4 million tips, tools, and tricks. It's fine. A lot of people have done well with giving people tips, tools, and tricks. It just doesn't last. Sort of like the power of positive thinking. You can have you can think positively until you're not, until somebody cuts you off on the road and you're flipping them the bird or you're, you know, what have you. So what I, the, work, the particular work I do with my clients and my theory is, which has proven true over and over again, is there's a moment in a human's life where their version of imposter syndrome gets created, let's say. It's not really created. It's a stimulus response, a response to a time when they felt, when the brain not even they, when the brain felt threatened. So I had a client, for example, that got a C on a math test, brings it home. Her dad says, what, like straight A's, what's going on with the C? She says, but dad, it's average. Give me 1500 words on mediocre. <gasps> you know, daddy's a little girl, embarrassed, disappointed. And all of a sudden now she's got to get it right, which became, which is why imposter syndrome truly is her superpower because she has counted on as a COO to get everything right, to cross the T's and dot the I's, except a, a nine-year-old's been behind the wheel of that bus and she needs to get back in the driver's seat because for herself, she was never satisfied with her own performance like you were talking about, picking apart every little thing. When she was able to distinguish that, then she could see it in action, then she could witness it and we could have a, a chat about how do you, if you weren't busy, trying to get it right, how do you want to show up in the world? Right. So with like with so many other things, it stems from childhood many times. It's not just something you pick up, you know, in your when you start your career. It's just it all kind of like so many other experiences It's just kind of from early childhood and it just yeah. carries through. Exactly. And it, I always say to people, it's not dramatic or traumatic. I mean, it could be, but for the most part, I found it hasn't, that it's just some innocuous little thing. Because as kids, we've all had experiences of not belonging, not fitting in, feeling less than, you know, for whatever reason. 
um, thinking there's something wrong with us because the world revolves around us. And if the world doesn't go the right way, then it must be our fault as a little kid. So be a good boy, be a good girl. My own version of imposter syndrome came about when I was six years old. And I had a crush on a boy and so did my best friend. And we decided to, how we were going to figure out who he liked is we were going to go up and kiss him and see what he did. And she kissed him and he kissed her back on the cheek and I kissed him and he went, ew. And in that moment, it was on the playground. All the kids looked at me and laughed at me. And I said, I'm never going to take that kind of a risk. I'm, I'm just going to stay in the background. So before I became a coach, I've been a coach 23 years been on my own for six, but I worked in politics for 30 years and I was coaching for a big company on the side, but in politics, I never put my neck on the line. I was always pushing other people's agenda. I was never necessarily the spokesperson and when and if I ever had to be, it was, it, it was really hard, palm sweating, voice shaking, the whole thing. Gotten it over. I've gotten over it now, you know? Yeah. So, and then you, you also, you also used to do stand up. Uh, you were a stand up comedian. You still do. I still do stand up comedy. I just flew out to Charleston to do 20 minutes for the opening of an event. And then I was in Denver the month before that with the same thing. Yeah. Okay. So do you, do you feel like humor is a, a key ingredient to have to, for people to have breakthroughs to kind of look at their own imposter syndrome because humor is such a you know a key for so many things you think this is it applies here as well well i for me it is because i'm so playful and irreverent it's just part of who i am and my brand and if i can't be myself then it's difficult for me to to coach people to have breakthroughs but i'll tell you some researchers have found that usually when you are learning a new habit or attempting to interrupt an old habit, it takes something like 500 or 600 repetitions. You know, people say it takes three, three weeks or something. I've also seen research that shows it takes like somewhere between 63 and 88 days. So they say it takes, you know, hundreds and hundreds of repetitions. Some folks have seen that, you know, when you add play, it only takes 12. Now for me, when we're getting back to the, uh, that originating moment of someone's version of imposter syndrome, it can be, it's a very vulnerable spot for people to be in. And it, it can, uh, you know, cause you're, when I'm coaching people, I'm actually, f we're working through their very veil of imposter syndrome to get to the source of imposter syndrome, right? So the same body sensations and heart palpitations will come up and I use humor both on stage when I'm doing straight comedy as well as coaching in much the same way. You're creating an arc of a story. You're creating something where you're creating tension and then you have a joke and you kind of allow people to relax into it so you can press in a little more. So I think yes, A, because it's my brand, B, because it shows you can learn things quicker and C, because when you are able to um, allow people to see the silliness of, you know, when I, at first you're mad, they say the truth will set you free. I say it's first, it's going to piss you off. So when my client said, well, oh my God, I'm like, I still carry around trying to get it right. And she was mad. Like, let's not go there. And so I told a joke and she was able to like relax. And then we were able to keep going. So from that perspective, definitely. Is it necessary? I don't know. I feel it is. 
right? And they probably, your clients are probably, you're just presenting it in a very natural way. So they're probably not even aware you're like using a technique, so to speak, which is, you know, you're yeah, just having it, a conversation. Yes. And truth be told, Joe, neither did I until someone said to me, like, how do you use comedy in your coaching? And I really had to think about it. Because often you're probably the same way when you're coaching people in, in their career. You've been doing it so long. There's a certain method to your madness. There's a certain way you do things. There are certain things you listen for that you kind of, oh, okay, you can, you can hear that. There's a framework that you operate from. Either you know it or you don't. And there are certain assessments I use with people like Clifton Strengths with my clients. That's a framework. It's pretty crystal clear. But when someone finally, well, what's your framework for coaching? I had to think about how that whole thing worked it through. So it wasn't obvious to me at first that I was doing that. Right. And there's probably some intangibles involved too. You know, you either have chemistry and rapport with your client or you don't. And I think that's where sort of the foundation for everything. Because if you don't have that, you're not, you know, you, you're not going to have a successful coaching relationship. Yeah. And truth be told, if I don't have rapport, I don't, I don't, I don't work with them. That's part of what I do in my kind of, um, uh, uh, whatever, when I get on a call with somebody, it's as much as them talking to me to see if they want to hire me is, do I want to work with this person? Right. Do, do they resonate with me? Are they the kind, are they my ideal client, which are, like I said, generally women who are at the VP and above level, senior vice president and above level or the executive level, people who are interested in developing themselves. You know, I've also had clients that were assigned to me from companies that hired me, not as easy, but I've always been able to pierce through, but it's quite, it's, it's more difficult because they're, they're not coming to it on their own. Somebody else is saying, you need a coach. Yeah. It presents its own challenges. Um, so speaking of coaching engagements, so um, beyond coaching others about imposter syndrome, what are some of the most common um, issues that you work with clients, uh, kind of help them work through? Yeah, I'd say it's, it's three areas. One is uh, having clients stop sabotaging themselves without 10 years of, of expensive therapy through distinguishing imposter syndrome. The second is building strengths-based organizations using the Clifton Strengths assessment because from all the work that Gallup's done and applied this across industries, employee engagement increases 23% and managers who manage people using strengths reduce employee disengagement to 1%. So this whole business of the great resignation we're looking at and trying to adapt to and accommodate, my question is, well, I get it. I mean, the pandemic has brought on a whole new, you know, wave of virtual working and allowing people who are neurodiverse to be able to work from home, you know, that might not have been able to work previously, but do you really think changing people's hours is going to make the difference to have people stay at their job? There's a culture issue there. There's a values issue there. Your company is not operating consistent with its values and your people aren't aligned with them. So that's a huge part of my work and I love doing that. And then the third part is holding people accountable to produce results. Most people aren't good at taking consistent action. Most people are really bad at holding each other to account if they're managing people because 
when we're faced with having what we would perceive as a difficult conversation, it's like hearkening back to mommy and daddy and getting in trouble. And so again, it goes back to these brain patterns of being really young. And you're, none of us are taught how to have hard conversations. I, I don't, you know, unless I think the family, maybe if the parents were psychologists, you know, and then maybe not even then where they were used to that kind of, or maybe they were super deep hippies and, you know, were able to do that. But my parents were very involved. I never learned how to have difficult conversations until I began my own personal growth journey. So it's imposter syndrome, accountability to produce results and building strengths-based teams and cultures. Yeah. So that, that accountability piece is interesting. You know, I think that's one of the cornerstones of coaching. Um, and it, I, a lot of times it's not until after you hold people to account that they're just so happy and grateful that you did that. Right. But leading up to, it's like, Oh, <laughs> I know. I, you, do you have kids? I don't, I don't either. Well, we have a, we have a four-legged. There baby. you go. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've got two four-leggeds, but I had stepkids for a short time when I, when uh -huh. I was married, but mostly what I, you know, kids want boundaries. And that doesn't mm -hmm. change when you grow up. You want to know where the bar is, the, you know, how high the bar is in your work. You want to know what you're going after and you want to be held to account. You really do. You think you don't, but you do. Because mm -hmm. then when, when we don't do our best, we know. And we are our own worst enemy. You know, my um, ex-husband used to say to me, he, you know, we're not married anymore, but he always said some great things like quit talking smack about my best friend, Jen. And the first time he said it, I looked at him, he goes, you would never say what you're saying to yourself. You overheard me muttering under my breath. You're so stupid or something. Because you would never let the kids get away with that. You would never let me get away with that. And I thought, oh, wow, you are so right. So when we get away with stuff, even if maybe there's a sigh of relief in some way that nobody caught that that report went out late or something like that, we know ourselves that we're not working up to our best. Right. Yeah. It's that, you know, moment of it feels good in the moment, but then the bigger picture is, yeah, I wish that person or that coach had held me accountable. Yeah. Is that, yeah, I think structure is, I think people are craving that. Yeah. Whether they like to admit it or not. I know. Yeah. But yeah. So, um, Kind of wrapping up. Oh, so one one question I'd like to ask everyone, and no matter what the topic is, you know, since we've been going through COVID and you know travel has been restricted, on again and off again. So I don't know if you're if you like to travel, but where would one place you'd like to go if there were no travel restrictions that you've been kind of craving to go? Um, anywhere in the world. Um, okay. Well, wherever this is, there's, I mean, my next place that I want to go is Portugal, Spain, Morocco, that area. Okay. However, what I really want is an all-inclusive on some beach where they, they have really, you know, feed me food. I can get as much ceviche as I want yep. for a week. It has a spa. I can go get massages every day and have drinks brought to me with umbrellas in them by Cabana Boys. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> I am totally on board with that. So uh, we went to a club med, it was in 2019 in Cancun, and it was just being pampered and just not having to worry about, you know, 
any of the details and just having everything taken care of, it's just, just adds to the relaxation. Yeah. I just, you know, the last time I did one of those, I have to tell you, friends of mine got married in San Jose del Cabo near Cabo. And it was a new place that, that I think their wedding was the first one. So like the rate was 115 bucks a night for a room to myself. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Beautiful, three beautiful restaurants. And all I did was eat ceviche and drink margaritas and read books you know, and be in the water. And I didn't have to go if I wanted to do other stuff I could. We did one mountain bike ride. And then one night we went off campus, as we called it, and we walked into San Jose del Cabo, which is an old historic town. And it was wonderful, really wonderful. Yeah, so I'm hoping that in the not too distant future, we can just kind of travel without any sort of, you know, anything hanging over us. Yeah, well, hopefully it's soon. I don't know how soon it'll be, but. Yeah. Something to look forward to. Yes. But um, yeah, so just wrapping up, if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you uh, to learn more about your services, what's the best way that they can do that? There's really three ways. One is just go directly to my website, jencoken.com, J-E-N-C-O-K-E-N.com. Second, you can take my quiz, jencokenquiz.com. That's all about imposter syndrome. And then third, they could just email me and say, I want to know more. I want to hop on a call, jen at jencoken.com. Okay, great. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I, I'll put all those details in um, the podcast, podcast description so everyone has that readily available. Great. So, yeah, thank you so much, Jen, for spending some time with me and the listeners this afternoon to learn more about imposter syndrome. It's, you know, I learned a lot um, and hopefully our listeners can take something away and kind of apply it to their own lives. Yes. So, yeah, so any parting words for for our listeners? Well, just thank you for having me. This is an area that I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about having a world of people at home with themselves and truly expressing their magic and their value and really appreciating themselves because we are so hard on ourselves so often. So I I appreciate you asking me to be on the podcast and I hope it made a difference. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thanks again. And to all the listeners, thanks for checking out this episode of the Career Optimum Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it and be sure to subscribe and check out my blog at careeroptimum.com and my Instagram page at instagram.com slash careeroptimum. Until next time, be well, and thanks again for stopping by.